Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Director's Cut. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is my partner in podcasting crime, the one and only Ariel. Hi. (laughs) Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. We have a very, very, very exciting episode for you today. As you know, we are a little little obsessed with women directed horror films and (laughs) the women who direct them and i mean can you blame us though i was i was talking about this with someone else earlier about how i'm always so inspired by women directors because they're so intentional in the way that they think because they have to be right yeah and so when there are no wishy-washy answers or or like hmm, that never occurred to me when you're talking to a director because that's literally what they do is think about things and make decisions, right? right. Everything has a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it makes for really compelling conversations. And I think that's definitely going to be true of this one as well. So today we have the genuine pleasure of talking with Carlson Young, who is the, has made her feature film debut with the film The Blazing World, which is either out on VOD now or about to be out on VOD, depending on when this lands. I don't have my calendar right in front of me. Uh, but this thing is stunning. We're not doing like a full review of this, but we wanted to kind of briefly give you our mostly non-spoilery thoughts about the film. So you'll know kind of how you want to move as a as a listener slash viewer so ariel first things first what did what did you think of this movie this movie is fascinating yeah so i did not know anything about it going in i went in really cold and it is spectacularly beautiful it's such a gorgeous movie yes it's a bit of a mystery because you don't Mm -hmm. know exactly what's happening and there's a lot of really intense surrealistic moments in it and the setting and the scenery is just beautiful everything about this movie is gorgeous and i think that there are times where you sort of get lost in the visuals of it but by the end you really understand what has happened throughout the course of the movie where some surrealistic movies really leave you hanging in the end. and mm-hmm. <laughs> You have to do a yes. lot of digging to figure it out. I feel like with this one, you get a lot of your questions answered by the end in a really mm-hmm. satisfying way. That's such a great point. You're, that is – I love a surreal movie and I'm willing to go on like sort of a dream logic like journey. Yeah. But rarely do I find myself fully satisfied by the end because ambiguity – in my opinion, is overused. I'd like an answer. I like an answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm a concrete yeah. person. I don't know. But yeah, this this does have like all the delicious things about surreal, surrealist horror that you enjoy, like really cool art direction, costuming, setting, um, the way it messes with your perspective and is, you know, disorienting. But it also gives you some answers. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Which I feel like is really important, especially in a movie like this, that at its heart is dealing with how to get over trauma, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think if Mm -hmm. it had had been left too open-ended, it would not have worked. Yeah, definitely. Especially considering some of the content in this is pretty dark. Oh, yeah. Like it delves into some really dark places like um, uh, substance abuse abuse physical abuse yeah suicidal ideation i mean the yeah, content is dark <laughs> and yet it is a beautiful dark fairy tale at the right. same time right with like 
actual psychological underpinnings. I don't know. I I think if you are a fan of surrealistic horror, 70s sort of Argento-esque horror, explorations of trauma through the lens of horror, lover of dark fantasy, you need to watch The Blazing World because it's yeah. all of those things. Or yeah. like a I, I I say this in our conversation with Carlson. Like there is also a heavy influence of some of Tarsum Singh. So like those sort of surrealistic tableaus that he creates, that, which are the mundane mixed in with nature, and then mm-hmm. also kind of the uncanniness of like pop, like like really pop bright jewel tones and pastels. All that stuff is very present in this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other really cool things about this movie is that often with first-time directors doing an indie movie on a small, small budget, the acting isn't always up to par with how good the script is. Mm -hmm. But here, she got amazing actors to be in it, too. I mean, Dermot Mulroney, Udo Kier, Vanessa Shaw, these are all really great actors. Carlson Young herself. Yes, Carlson (laughs) Young herself, exactly. And she is very experienced as well. And it was fascinating to listen to her talk about working with these people, too. Yeah. Yeah. And this interview is really interesting. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about everything from what it's like to film during a pandemic which is, spoiler alert, challenging. (laughs) Um, Exploring trauma through uh, like a neurological lens as well as a surrealistic one. We talk about toxic masculinity and grief and how those two things intersect. We also talk about the influence of 70s films and giallo on this film, on the film itself, and uh, why it is so pretty. (laughs) Right, yes. (laughs) Did we mention it's pretty? (laughs) In short, I think we have a really, really great conversation about a really interesting movie. So I would recommend that you listen to this interview as well as check out the movie. What about you? Yeah, I would definitely say check out the movie. And if the movie really tickles your fancy and you liked it, I would say go on to Amazon and search for the short that she made a few Mm -hmm. years back of the same name because it is deeply unsettling. So cool. So cool. All right. Well, that's enough of me running in my mouth. What do you say we get into our interview with Carlson? Let's do it. All right. All right. Let's do it. Awesome. Great. So first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We are so excited to talk to you and talk about The Blazing World, which I watched last night and is stunning. Oh, my God. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. So first of all, congratulations on making such an absolutely beautiful feature debut. Um, I'm excited for everybody to get to see it because it is, I mean, like, it's a cliche, but it is literally like a feast for your eyeballs. Oh, thank you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It's been a long journey. And so, um, yeah, the fact that it's coming out is surreal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly a labor of love. And I know that it started as a short That's from right. 2018. So. I guess I first of all I want to know how does it feel to finally have audiences getting their eyeballs on this? I don't. It hasn't hit me yet. I I, for, <laughs> I forget that um, you know I forget that like you know only a small group of people kind of saw this right at Sundance. So I um, I it, it it just really hasn't hit me yet. Um, and so that's really exciting. That's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about how the film came together? Sure. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, it started as a short and then I you know, crafted the feature script with my co-writer Pierce Brown from there. And um, it was a long 
journey of getting the script right and conceptualizing each, you know, stage, uh, each chapter of, of the story. And then, you know, we attached our first actor, Udo Kier, March, mm. 2020. And then, you know, wow. the world really changed. So I had to <laughs> rewrite March, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was dark days, dark days looming. Um, and uh, so I, you know, had to crack open the script and and uh, rewrite um, a lot of uh, portions of the script to sort of take us out of any public spaces. And then we sort of oh, realized that, yeah. you know, we could we could shoot this um, during this time and safely. So we shot it in a full fledged quarantine camp outside of Austin and Dripping Springs, August twenty twenty. Oh my wow, God. that's intense. <laughs> yeah, it was intense, and it was very intense to say the least. That's so interesting. I mean, one of the things I love so much about this is the set pieces. I found myself thinking a lot about like the films of Tarsem Singh. Yes. Was that an influence for you? Yeah, Tarsem Singh's a big influence. I mean, you know, Kubrick, Amadol Toro, David Lynch, Lars von Trier, like I uh-huh. I was pulling inspiration from all over the place and I really wanted to just kind of do like this delicious <laughs> sort of uh-huh. witch's brew of like everything that it's excites me creating while also, you know, weaving in my own DNA and, um, you know, Bluebeard mythology and and, shock, mm. and chakra stuff and, and the wild woman archetype and all of these things. So it's like, it is truly jam-packed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it has such a, a clear point of view in terms of its aesthetic. Um, everything from the costuming to that red orb. Yes. <laughs> I would love to know, as someone who can appreciate art but has no skills in that, in like visual medium whatsoever, I would love to know how you can like how you conceptualize the aesthetic of this. Well, I was very inspired by Giallo, you know, seventies sort of mm. Italian mm-hmm. horror, and just kind, you know, my mentality going into this was just go big or go home. Like I am not, I, I love genre in that it's so exciting, and you have these, you know opportunities to to truly externalize the character's emotional experience and so what would that look like and feel like and then you're approaching it from trauma which doesn't have a sense of time and is very Mm -hmm. much from her inner child's point of view so you know she's she's looking at all these things and they're taking on these like fantastical motifs and elements you know because it's this like language of reframing trauma that 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 her inner child can also understand and connect to and um so it's just like towing that balance of you know like this orb like representing like the the root of her experience and and her root chakra and the root of her trauma and so when she touches it you know it it opens up like it's sort of like the world like lights up and she's able to go into that experience that she had as a child where her caregivers were no longer safe and so she started to see the world differently and so she started to internalize that shame and it started to eat her you know and so it's it was like finding the balance of like style and that emotional depth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, it's fascinating to hear you talk about all of this because this movie is so rich and there's so much visually happening that it's it's fascinating to hear you explain all of it. 
So one of the things about horror that I really appreciate is how it can be used to explore concepts around trauma, but in a really safe way because you're removed a bit from it. And your movie definitely falls into that category. So can you talk a little bit about how your film relates to the topic of processing trauma and even suicidal ideation? Sure. I mean, I... I chose this space to explore, you know, for my first film because it resonates with me very deeply. And, you know, I mean, creatively, I just began asking questions and taking a really hard look at my own mental health and my own trauma and and trying Mm. to understand where it came from in the first place. And, 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 and this sort of realization that there's so much to learn on the other side of our fear, which is, you know, what horror is all about. You know, I mean, like most horror is sort of an exploration of trauma, right? So, sure. yeah. so just like getting to that place personally where I'm like, okay, like these are the things that plague me. And it's sort of an invitation of like, does anybody else kind of understand or feel this way, you know, it's like, it's kind of like an open invitation, I guess, to the audience, you know, if nothing else, just to make you think like, I don't, I'm not trying to like put my experience on someone else, but you know, I, I became obsessed <laughs> with, <laughs> with understanding how, what, what neuroscience has to say about childhood trauma and the oh, fact okay. that the fact that it, the place that it is stored in your brain doesn't have a sense of time and, and the idea uh-huh. that, and the idea that like our deepest shame might, might come from a trauma loop. And like, we could be living our entire lives in a, in a trauma loop and, and not even know it where like the world is scary. You can't trust people. Um, you can't trust yourself, which is the most important thing. And um, so it was just a really reflective experience for me. And um, yeah. I love that. I love that idea of taking sort of that theoretical brain space and making it concrete, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm, Yeah. And because I I mean, it's something that definitely did not click for me until the final scene of the final scenes of the movie where you realize what the actual timeline of the movie was. And then it kind of all came full circle. Like, I feel like this is definitely a movie that has like it's a great first watch, it's a better second watch. Wow, that that means a lot. Thank you. Because I think that there's you're saying a lot of this movie is just like chock-a-block with thematic stuff um that I think really reveals itself once you understand what kind of what the what the rules of this the surreal world that you're living with are in. Like it right. feels rule free until you realize, oh no, this is very much a contained space inside her head. <laughs> right. And and, you know, the way that the mother and father wound are playing out are, it's like, it's, it's like, it's like filtered through this six-year-old brain right. and experience. Right. And so like, you know, a lot, like a lot of her like facial expressions and a lot of like the things like that we, you know, found in the edit was like, oh, like she looks like a little girl there. That's really important. You know, like, it's like those expressions of the character like it's camp but it's also it, but it's because like it's coming from this child part of her brain that hasn't ever processed this truck right. so oh that's so interesting even her costume feels like a little girl playing dress exactly up. that yeah. was really important i was like i literally want her to look like a child as yeah. much as i possibly can so yeah, absolutely. One of the things I also really loved 
I mean, uh, the perform Dermot Mulroney's performance in this is <laughs> it's so spectacular. But the the confrontation scene that you're having as he's vacillating between this, like, I'm a man, I can take it, and then also just, like, unbridled rage, mm. I feel like that you explore some really interesting things in terms of, like, toxic masculinity. Yes. And is that something that you were intentionally doing with that character? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, again, like, it's 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 as – it's, like – her mother and father are trapped in this trauma as much as she is, you know? And so, and where you see at the end is like, they're willing to reframe that, you know, like Mm -hmm. they want to connect, like they're not there anymore, but they're trapped there in her brain. And so what does that fester into this unbridled rage and, and, you know, like the, the toxicity of masculinity when it like, when it's stuck in trauma like that and, and the way that it like festers into like extreme rage, you know? And, and again, like with the suicidal ideation that you mentioned earlier, like, it's like, I feel like a lot of mental health is like this imbalance between the masculine and feminine. And in Margaret's mind, like you see this insanely toxic feminine and this insanely toxic masculine. And so she's trying to, trying to put that out there on display. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really successful. I think you really feel all of that. And as we're talking about Dermot Mulroney, I was blown away by his performance, by Udo Kier, by Vanessa Shaw. As somebody who is this your first time directing a feature length film, what was it like to direct such seasoned actors? Was Ugh. it kind of tricky to work with them or did it make it easier? It was intimidating. <laughs> like I was just like, uh, you know, I, I've obviously come up as an actor. I've seen the way a lot of directors work. I've seen what actors respond to, what, what makes them angry, all of these like, you know, sort of nuances of like how to communicate with an actor. Um, and I was extremely fortunate because this group, uh, I mean, they're just so, so seasoned and really understood their characters so incredibly well that it was just a joy to sit back and, be behind the monitor and just see what they were going to do because I, when we didn't have the luxury of rehearsal or, or anything like that, oh, okay. but we, what we did have was a lot of on ramps and a lot of really um, important conversations uh, about these characters and about, and about everybody's like personal, you know, about everything that everyone was bringing into this space, like from their own personal experience and why this or this didn't resonate with them or something. And, just kind of jamming on on the story first and foremost, and then just like letting their interpretation speak for themselves. Yeah. Uh, how did how did like the situation of being shooting during pandemic times, like, and being kind of cut off from the world? Did that have a did how did that impact sort of the dynamic for for the set? Did you feel like it allowed you guys to kind of have more of like a workshop feeling to it, a little bit more cut off, or did you not really feel a difference from your, your previous experiences? Oh, it was, it was very, it was very contained. The energy was really kind of interesting because it's all like, I mean, nobody was like going home to their families at the end of every day. We were going to 
a group of cabins and trailers and legitimately living together summer camp style. So wild. Um, it was, ex- and of course the just sheer uncertainty and stress of the world, we were sort of fortified from that. Um, at the same time, you know, we could feel it. It was sure. like, it was just on the other side of the fence, but, mm-hmm. but we had, yeah, this like really contained opportunity to like do, you know, give everything that we had creatively into this, into this spot and to just like take a break from like the absolute insane stress of everything that was going on at that time. And, uh, it was really, really unique. Wow. I bet. That must have been an incredible experience. Yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine. So as part of our podcast, one of the things we do is research all of the directors before we get on the air. And we talk, one of the things that we talk about all the time is that you have to have so much tenacity and work so hard to be successful in this industry, especially as a woman. So can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the challenges you face trying to make it as a woman director? Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's hard out there. Like you said, I mean, it is just sheer will and grit to get anything made in the first place, man, woman, anything, you know, no matter how you identify, it's hard um, to do. But I, I I just think that I had a lot personally to break through as a woman um, because of coming up, you know, as an actor and, and honestly just kind of having a lot of these acting roles under my belt that like somebody else had given me, you know, and this mm. is, this was the first thing that I was like, no, this is who I am as a filmmaker and artist and director and, um, you know, getting people on board for that was really challenging and there's no way to like really know um, if it had anything to do with being a woman of the, although of course, like I'm sure we can all agree that it had a lot of, a lot to do with it. Um, Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. at the same time, like this was a really ambitious first script to do. So um, it was an uphill battle. I mean, and that's the thing is like when I was watching this, knowing what the situation is for first time filmmakers, I was just wowed by what you're able to pull off visually on a first time film budget. Yeah. <laughs> I mean when she goes into that house the second time and it's covered in vines and flowers, Wild. I was blown away. Wild. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right? Like thank you, Rodney Becker. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you uh, about the music in the film because I think the other thing that really really stands out about this is the score and the selections of music I found myself like shazamming every song yes. as it came up because I was like <laughs> what does it mean what does it mean <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I love that can you talk a little bit about how you selected the music and the score yeah I so I, I wrote um, I really really wrote the script to that uh, piece of Tchaikovsky music um, mm-hmm. at the beginning there. Um, and then my husband did the score. So there uh-huh. was, yeah, there was no boundaries, no separation um, there. Uh, <laughs> we were able to have an extremely candid dialogue. Um, and he obviously had experienced from the ground up a really intimate look into what this process was like for me. And then also the, the 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 character and the journey that she was going on, how that was bleeding into my personal life. All of these things were just 
the, the, there was no boundaries and this in this really beautiful way, but in a way that like for the next one, it won't be hopefully as um, <laughs> tricksy there. <laughs> but uh, he just, you know, he's, he's a musician and producer and, and I was so elated to be able to see what he would bring to the table mm-hmm. in the score setting. And I was just blown away. Mm-hmm. It's so perfectly dreamy. Mm-hmm. Also, the the I'm probably going to mispronounce this and embarrass myself, but the so- Soko song? Yeah, Soko. Is, oh, it's beautiful. Mm. Oh, so to good. be a rainbow. <laughs> I'm, I, like, I love that song so much. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, and, and I'm a big fan of hers as an actress too. So it was, it was just a dream to have her a part of it. Oh, that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, it, all of the music in it so sets the scene for each stage and chapter. It's really beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So we are, of course, incredibly inspired by women directors like you. Do you have any advice for young women out there who maybe want to direct but feel like they can't or that it's not an option for them? I would just – my advice would just – be to keep going and don't take no for an answer because it's, it's just, people are just going to tell, you no. like, that's just the easy thing to tell people. And it it has absolutely nothing to do with your project. It has nothing to do with you as an artist. Um, it's just the norm. Um, and so to like, not let that deter you. And that's obviously easier said than done. And I've had a lot of enormous letdowns in my career. And that's just a part of the game. Mm -hmm. That's just a part of the experience. But, um, I would just say to like, to, to just know that like being healthy mentally attracts the health that you need for your project. Well, I know we're getting short on time. So we just have a couple of quick final questions for you before we, although we could, we would happily talk to you for hours. This is fascinating. (laughs) First of all, we wanted to know if there's anything about the film or the filmmaking experience that, you know, you've you've done a bunch of interviews. I'm sure you've had the same questions over and over again. Is there anything that no one has asked you about that you were hoping to talk about? I'm really excited just for people to be able to digest and, um, you know, I take take whatever they get from the film and hopefully it makes them think and you know, I'm just excited to keep making films that um, are sort of in this genre space because I think it's so exciting and uh, compelling. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's great. So speaking about future projects, can you talk about anything you have in the works? I sort of read that you might be working on another horror movie. Yes, I've got um, a <laughs> a proper pregnancy horror oh. film. Uh, yeah, I must say I am extremely excited about this one. <laughs> so are we now? Yeah, but like the script is banging, and um, yeah, and then and then like a dark comedy that's set in the '90s uh, Wall Ooh. Street space. So. Yeah. Those both sound right up our alley. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, we hope when that when it comes out, you'll come back and hang out with us. I again would love because... to. This has been such a great time. Thanks so oh, guys. Good. For us too. So great. So just for people out there in the audience, um, is there anywhere they can follow you online to keep up with you know what you're up to? Yeah. I am uh, I'm just at Carlson Young on uh Instagram and, and Twitter and I just made a TikTok, so you know. Oh, awesome. I'm on that couch guy TikTok. I don't know if you're there, but 
We probably should be. (laughs) (laughs) I had a friend. I have a friend who's like 25 and she's just, she's just like palpably younger than me in this way that I like (laughs) love because I'm like, I need to know like what the kids are doing. (laughs) And apparently it's good soup TikTok. So. Okay. I mean, I can get down with good soup TikTok. I love a good soup. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time today. This has been so much fun. Congratulations again on Blazing World. Everybody out there, it's by the time this comes out, it's going to be on VOD. Put it in your eyeballs. You will not regret it. It is a fascinating and beautiful Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you guys. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right, so that was our interview with Carlson. What a great chat. Yeah, that was awesome. It was so interesting talking to her. You know, one of the things that I thought was so great is you and I had a list of questions that we wanted to ask her. And as she was talking, she just kept answering the next question before we even got to ask it, which is great because it felt like we were on the same wavelength. And Mm -hmm. the way she talked about these movies, about her movie, was so intelligent and so in-depth like she didn't just skim the surface so I think that was really great yeah I can't decide if it what's harder like when people are really good at answering questions or really bad oh, you're I know. Like, <laughs> like oh my god she's answering all my questions <laughs> but honestly I I did think the conversation was great because it a lot of you know allowed us to kind of dig deeper into some yeah, of those questions exactly. that we didn't normally have time to do because we have to hit a certain number of topics and I'm glad that we got to ask about the music we, I'm glad we got to talk like on a deeper level about the way that trauma is presented and the the aesthetic choices that she made and how it connects to what she's trying to say about the way that trauma works in our minds like yeah that was fascinating yeah to talk about that part of it yeah absolutely yet another see these directors they always turn me into a fangirl by the end of the conversation <laughs> i know yeah and i'm so excited that um she's gonna make another horror movie it sounds yes like. yes another really fascinating voice in the genre yeah we'll keep an eye out for her absolutely so you guys got the information on how to follow her do that rent the blazing world let us know what you think uh you can drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can hit us up over on the facebook group although to be honest most days we're usually more on the instagram twitter side of things both of which you can find at zg podcasts so you should follow us there if you're looking for something spooky to watch after you've watched the blazing world you should definitely head over to the zombie girls video on demand and streaming calendar where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on video on demand and streaming and uh yeah there's some good stuff on there it's october so shit is popping yeah and it's so really stuff. hard to keep track of everything that's out there so having that as a tool i think you will enjoy uh if you are looking to you know step up your style game and who isn't you should check out our merch at zombie girls g-r-r-l-z zombiegirls.com forward slash merch and if you love us and want to support us you should join our patreon because every episode on the network is extended 
And you also get to join our Discord. And we're always plugging it because, honestly, like, to me, there's a lot of cool perks. But the best one is the Discord because it's such a fun, friendly, welcoming group of people. We just nerd out all day about everything from horror movies to our pets to whatever random thing we saw on the internet that day. (laughs) Whatever books we're reading. um, Whatever upsetting thing Sarah is going to share with us. (laughs) Yeah, whatever disturbing new movie Sarah has found. Yeah, to the discussion of necromantic today. I was like, oh my God, my Discord. <laughs> but here's the thing. For the month of October, we are going to be putting that awesome Patreon perk at the $1 level. So at the $1 level, you can join our Patreon. If you're already a patron and you're not on the Discord, baby, you are missing out. Hop on. Let's chat. We have some fun things planned for the month of October. We're going to be doing a group watch slash kind of lightweight league for season four of dragula which will be a lot of fun it's on shutter we'll be watching it together we'll be cheering on our favorite queens we'll be placing some bets there may be prizes i'm just (laughs) saying we also are probably going to do a group watch or two of different movies or trivia night too which we're really excited about we've done that before and they are so much fun yes so yeah i need to reclaim my crown (laughs) I will never forget Christopher Walken's name again. <laughs> oh, that was a dark day in horror trivia history. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we have so much fun doing things like that on the Discord. And so for this month, if you just join for a dollar, you get to get all of that good stuff. So for the month of October only, get in now at the $1 level and you can have Discord privileges. So that is our exciting news about Patreon this month. We hope that you'll join us and support us and hang out with us. So I guess that's it for now, everyone. Thank you and have an awesome spooky season. Ariel, take us out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another More Deadly's Director's Cut. Thank you, Carlson Young, for joining us. That was so much fun. And we hope you guys enjoyed the interview. And we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host and good friend, Ariel, for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Sharp.